Good morning. It has begun. <laughs> You're wondering if you moved to Ohio. <laughs> Had any snow? First of the year, my grass is still green around the septic tank. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 4 this morning. Second Timothy. Good to be in church. Second Timothy chapter 4. We left off on verse number 7. You going to give me some fresh holy water? All right. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we sure love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ, and thank you, Lord, for the snow. Lord, it is refreshing. Father, thank you, Lord, that, uh, well, it uh, usually ends around April. So we're looking forward to April, amen. And, Father, we pray that you'd uh, open our eyes when we behold wondrous things out of thy law this morning. Father, we need this book. Father, this book is a supernatural book. It's a holy book. And, Father, I pray that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might understand it. Father, not understand our misgivings and our proclivities towards it, but Lord, I pray that you give us the right estimation, exactly what you want us to see and hear. Father, we love you. I pray that you come back soon and get us out of here. Father, for those who are not feeling good, like uncle's not feeling good today, I pray that you'd heal him, and Father, we pray that you'd uh, deliver everyone safely, Lord, to the church house this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we left off on verse number seven. I'll read this uh, and get right back into it. Uh, the Bible says in verse 7, first Tim, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith, he says. That's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> and I sure wish uh, at the end of my race that I'll be able to say that. Amen? And uh, that's the same thing, uh, that, uh, that uh, thought, that concept's on Bob Jones Sr.'s tombstone there. I'll look back to 2 Timothy 2.5 again. I want you to see what's included with fighting a good fight. Verse 5, the Bible says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Uh, now what you and I are supposed to be doing, we're striving, right? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It takes pressure, right? We're striving to do what God wants us to do, Right? And he says in verse 5, if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. So if you're going to get the crown, Paul's saying, if you're going to get the crown, you've got to do it according to the Bible. Amen? You've got to remember that. You've got to do it according to the Bible. If you don't do it right, you don't get the crown. And uh, so he says, uh, I fought a good fight. You've got to ask yourself, are you fighting a good fight right now? Are you keeping the faith? Now, we understand we can't lose our salvation, but you can ditch the faith in a heartbeat. You can walk out these doors, and you can just set it on a shelf and just ignore it for, until you come back. Now, that ain't the way to live, but you've got to keep the faith. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Jude, uh, there's only one chapter. He says you ought to contend for it. Amen? You ought to contend for it. And uh, some people are like, well, you know, I just don't want to argue. Well, you don't have a problem arguing about politics. Why not just get into some good spiritual contention every once in a while? Amen? Uh, you, trust me, you don't have to go looking for it. It will come to you. If, if you want to do it for the right reason and you want to earnestly contend for the faith, 
All you got to do is let the Lord know. He'll, he'll be like, okay, I can arrange that meeting for you today. <laughs> you find that out in the morning service. The Lord has a precarious way of just arranging meetings. <laughs> uh, people consider and think sometimes, you say, well, how do you know? I don't know how people think, but I know how I think. And I've thought for many years that I had to go out every day and retake a stand. You only got to take a stand once. You just keep standing. Amen? And people think it's about uh, the actual process, the actual uh, delineation of taking that stand. No, it's not it at all. It's not about you. It's about standing where God wants you to and then just stay there until he says move. But uh, uh, have you finished your course? Are you keeping the faith? Are you doing it lawfully? That means are you doing it the way the Bible wants you to do it? Look at Philippians chapter 3. And this is Paul's lifelong aspiration, and this is how Paul dealt with it. If you think for a minute, uh, Paul's history, he had some rough stuff in his history. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, he had a rough past, very zealous. And you know what religion will do? If you only have religion, it'll make you a zealous idiot. It will. Uh, now, uh, I'd rather have zeal uh, on fire than, uh, you know, <laughs> wisdom on ice. Amen. Uh, but uh, you ought to have both. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, uh, Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind or reaching forth unto those things which are before. You, you know how this goes. Paul had to forget the past, and so do you. I mean, if it's under the blood, even as uh, far back as yesterday, you got to forget it. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. You say, all right, what's before? How about a good testimony? How about the Lord Jesus Christ, heaven? Amen? The King James Bible, that's, that's right in front of you. That's before you. And then he says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's basically saying, look, everything behind me is gone. It's underneath the blood. I got my eyes on the finish line. That's where I'm headed for. That's where I'm aiming for. Uh, he says, I'm not worried about the crowd on this side. I'm not worried about the crowd on that side. Uh, I've burned the bridges behind me, amen? <laughs> you got to do that in your Christian life. Just burn the right bridges behind you. Now we say in the work world, never burn a good bridge because you might have to go back there. <laughs> but in this world, there's some bridges you need to burn. And Paul's, I've torched them all. I can't go back now. And uh, he says, I'm going as fast as I possibly can. And you ought to go as fast as you can without getting ahead of God. Because after all, that's all the devil wants from you is be one step ahead of God. One step ahead of God, you know what it'll make you do? It'll make you worry. You don't have to live with worry. You know the kid's song, why worry when you can pray? Or if you're a skunk, it's why worry when you can spray? I just seen if y'all are awake this morning, amen. <laughs> but uh, you ought to go as fast as you can uh, without getting ahead of God. And uh, Paul says, I'm going to finish my course, and I'm not worried about anybody else. You ever just uh, stop before you go to bed at night and just say, Lord, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've got a family and I've got friends, but uh, the longer I live, I realize all I really have is you. That's a place you ought to get to where you realize that everything that's around you might be near and dear to you, but the only true thing you have is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, everyone else is trying to figure out their way, too. You ever just stop and think of how you relate to people? <laughs> try to be their friend. Try to be a good family member. Try to be a good brother. Try to be a good sister. Try to be a good husband. It don't work half the time, does it? 
and say, Lord, oh, I got you. <laughs> That's all I need. He says, I'm going to finish my course. I'm not worried about anybody else. And uh, uh, I can't run anybody else's race. And you can't run mine and I can't run yours. You want to get frustrated as a Christian? Try to run somebody else's race. You want to get run over as a Christian? Step in someone else's lane. You get run over. Get frustrated, mad, and upset, and irritated, and never happy about anything. Why? Well, just get out of everybody else's lane. Get in your own lane and run. <laughs> Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you know the passage, but uh, this is uh, bears repeating. I like Paul said in Philippians, uh, for you it is safe. <laughs> There's literally passages, I believe, in the New Testament that you and I could go over every single week and it would be safe for us. It'd be safe. You say, well, then uh, we just get too familiar. I doubt it. <laughs> I think preachers are afraid to preach from some passages lest they be accused of not studying. Let me tell you what, if you're a preacher... Uh, you can take the most familiar passage in the world. You start studying that thing, the Lord will open that thing up, and you'll be like, I didn't see that. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 9.24, the Bible says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So, according to the Bible, not everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> Amen? That whole everyone gets a trophy, that's of the devil. He says, So run that ye may obtain. I think the sad part about Christianity is there's a number of Christians, maybe even the majority of Christians, they're running, but they're not running to obtain anything. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? You know, I'm just living. <laughs> I'm just existing. <laughs> Feeding your guts? Yeah, pretty much. He says, run. That you may have, are you running so you can obtain something in your Christian life? I mean, do you have your eyes on the prize? Uh, maybe it's a family member who's lost. Uh, are you pressing on it? Are you, you got them in your sights? You're going after it? Amen. Are you trying to stand against your own sin? Uh, are you trying to stand against the flesh? Are you trying to stand against the devil? And a lot of Christians, they, uh, they run, but they don't run to obtain anything. And uh, that's going to be a disappointment of the judgment seat of Christ. Look at 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Temperate. Now, that's what uh, we preached about two or three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, I think it was. Maybe two, I don't know. Uh, you know, that's what this country doesn't have anymore. That's why all the uh, weirdos have come out of the closet. No one's tempered it. <laughs> yeah, amen, that's the truth. I mean, just, and once you open up that closet, it's like Pandora's box. Oh, I mean, once a Fruit Loops came out, now what comes out behind it is like, what in the fire is that? What you're a, what's a furry? Right? What is, shut that closet door and nail it shut. Right? Roll the stones against the cave. Keep your cotton picking devilmen in. <clears throat> Anyways, lest I digress. And every man that strive for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we an incorruptible. You know, all the businesses, there they are. What's in it for me? Uh, you want a new truck? Well, just work a little harder. You want three vacations a year? Plan them out. We can help you get there, that's what they say. But Paul says, but we in incorruptible, we're not, work, we're not working for a vacation, although one day our retirement will be out of this world, amen? Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, 
So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. So you know the illustration, Paul wasn't shadow boxing. You know these fighters, you know they get on the bag and all that stuff. I mean they might be hitting the bag, but they ain't really hitting anybody. They're jumping around and huffing and the puffing and the popping and the dancing and the you know all that stuff. It's like they're doing Lamaze in the ring or something like that. They ain't hitting nobody. Paul's like, if I'm gonna go through this Christian life, I'm gonna land some punches. That ought to be your desire as a Christian. You're going to fight a good fight, you're going to land some punches. Uh, you know the hardest punch to land? <laughs> it's the first one. You dream about it. Not, maybe not you gals, but you boys, you men, you, you have dreams about it. <laughs> you say, why? Because just as worried as you about throwing that first punch, you know what you're worried about? You're worried about getting that first punch. I remember it was ninth grade before I got my first... Uh, uh, official punch right to the face. I mean, walked around that seventh hour. I can still see it, man. Walking around the hallway, going, got my books in my hand. Here comes that, you know, burnout kid. Whop! Boom! Just busted me right in the face. Say, what'd you do? I dropped my book, started crying. What would you do? <laughs> you weren't tough. You didn't, you know, Texas. No, I just dropped my books and. Ooh. I was a soft kid at that. I hadn't, you know, hit the tender years yet, but anyways. <laughs> but uh, you're worried about that first punch. You ought to be worried about it. But, man, just go ahead and deliver it. You go into the workplace, and they start uh, playing their off, uh, their, their rock music. Say something. Say, hey, I don't like that. The worst thing they could tell you is tough, right? I go into a restaurant, and they're playing god-awful music. You know what I say? Could you turn that down, please? You say, why? I want to deliver a punch. You say, you should be nice. Okay, you be nice. I, I want to go have barbecue or pizza or whatever it is, and I don't want to be violated. And I'm, I'm, my kids are older now, and, and, you know, unfortunately they're not as tender as they used to be, but right? But uh, when we were young, we'd go in a place that really bother me. You ought to deliver a punch. Not physically, you know what I'm saying? It's a, and Paul's like, look, I'm not one that beats the air. He's not running in circles, wondering, I wonder what I should do here. I wonder what the will of God is here. He's like, he's like, I'm training every day. I'm training every day. I'm staying right where God wants me to be. I'm doing my spiritual push-ups. I'm doing my spiritual running. I'm staying in my lane. I'm doing my strength training. And as soon as that thing goes out, he's like, I'm after it. As soon as I see that first, uh, you know, uh, that first Goliath pop up, wham, he's landing that punch. Uh, verse 27, I, but I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And the reason Paul gets his body under control and brings it under subjection, but if he doesn't, his testimony be shot. <laughs> That's why it's important for your pastor to uh, keep his own self, his own body under control. Imagine me getting up here about 500 pounds and say, well, what you need to do this week is practice fasting. Like, <laughs> oh, come on, preacher, tell me another one, man. You're killing me, man, right? I get up here and tell you about uh, preaching how to live for God and to trust God, and let's say I'm out in this community, I'm all bankrupt and backwards. Castaway, testimony shot. Paul's saying, look, I got to live what I preach. I got to walk the walk. I not just uh, talk the talk, but I got to walk the walk. And he's talking about his testimony. When I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. 
So you run, you run the race, you keep your body under subjection, under control of yourself. Now here's a couple of things I got from an old preacher who fought back in Nam, and he fought in Quezon uh, at the Tet Offensive, and his, uh, his superior officer, uh, uh, get, no, I'm getting ahead of myself, forget that, all right, scratch that. But here's some uh, things you have to do as a preacher, all right, I got the wrong list, I didn't think I needed stronger glasses. Uh, look at verse 1. <clears throat> Here's some things that the preacher is going to have to do. In, uh, on, on number, number one is verse 5, rather. You have to make full proof of your ministry. And a preacher, he can't be a novice uh, or the devil will get him. Uh, so that preacher has to make full proof of his ministry. And the uh, preacher can't make everyone else prove that he's supposed to be in the ministry. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. But the pastor, the preacher, has to prove his own ministry. All right? And that's in verse 5, make full proof thy ministry. Verse 10, uh, you'll notice that in the ministry, now this is good whether you're a pastor or not, this is reality, you need to remember this, you'll notice it'll be people that forsake you, people that forsake you. In verse 10, Demas forsakes Paul. And you've got to remember, though, if God calls you to do something, you're not running for Demas. You're running for the Lord. People are going to leave you left and right. <laughs> light bulb <laughs> they're going to go why well one good reason is as good as another one but you're not running for them you're running for God and if uh, they all forsake you you're still supposed to run for God and you're going to do all you can for some people and some people are still going to spit in your face here's the definition of ministry you ought to write it down in the recess of your mind somewhere true ministry is doing everything for everybody and everyone you can and then they turn around and spit in your face. That's ministry. I'll say it again. True ministry is doing everything for everybody you can, and then they turn around and spit in your face. And then if you do it right, you act like Jesus Christ, and when they revile you, you revile not again. Say, <laughs> so I can't do that. Well, maybe you can't. Paul struggled with it. High priest slapped Paul right in the face. And Paul was so self-righteous, he said, God smite thee, thou whited wall. I wouldn't have said a word. I busted the guy and been dead. <laughs> you know, I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying, you smack me on the face. I don't know, there's going to have to be a, an awful lot of the Holy Ghost in me to keep from taking your fool head off. There's a lot of places you can hit me. You can kick me, you can shove me over, but you slap me in the face. I remember going to a bus stop one time. Uh, you used to have to walk the bus stops. I think everyone's afraid. You know, Your parents used to say, I walked uphill to school both ways. Well, I didn't walk uphill to school both ways. I just walked uphill to the bus stop both ways. <laughs> you know. But anyways, this girl, she slapped me in the face, man. That thing stung. I said, what would you do? I kicked her in the shins. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very troubling set of years there. <laughs> You say, what'd you do? Well, um, anyways, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's ministry, doing everything for everybody you can, and they turn around and spit in your face. Question is, you going to keep going, or are you going to cry about getting spitting in the face? God called you to run a race. There might be a few spits and a few slaps along the way. I mean, Jesus Christ, they slapped him, right? He kept going. You ever stop and wonder, I, I was, remember back in 
was the 2014 on my ordination committee, one pastor, he said, Brother Jeremy, he said, what is it going to take to get you to quit? You know what I immediately thought? I thought, you're an idiot. Here I am, I'm all, you know, excited to go serve the Lord and become a pastor. And you're asking me what it's going to take to quit. Will you ever stop and think what it would take you to quit? That's a pretty good question, wasn't it? I didn't have the foresight or the intelligence to process it then, but I've I've thought about it since. What's going to take you to quit? All right, now here in verse 7, another one. Number three, you're you're to fight a good fight. Fight a good fight. And you notice uh, it doesn't say you've got to fight a clean fight. It says fight the good fight. There's a good fight and there's a bad fight. And no matter how you do it, when you fight the right fight, People are going to call you dirty. <laughs> it don't matter. People are going to call you dirty. People are going to call you everything but what you really are. And don't worry about it. Don't worry about how you fight. Just pick the right fight and get after it. Amen. And say, Lord, I want to be in the right fight. And I want to stand for what you want me to stand for. Amen. And he's like, okay, I'll arrange the meeting. <laughs> you don't have to go looking for it. He'll bring it to you. That's how he works. And uh, number four here, if on a verse seven, you got to finish you got to finish the fight. You can't quit in the middle of the fight. A lot of Christians, man, they sure know how to swing. And uh, I was watching, uh, I know, uh, Carnal. I was watching 40 minutes on Mike Tyson. That sucker was a slugger. I'm telling you what. Uh, some of the, I mean, you could, man, you can learn how to fight watching Mike Tyson fight and chew off people's ears. But anyways, <laughs> but you got to finish. And let me tell you what, he finished. <laughs> I mean, until he got all, you know, proud and jacked up on whatever he was and, uh, come out of prison and so forth and so on, but that sucker was a slugger. Uh, I know it's a terrible uh, illustration. You pick your favorite, but I'd like to be a Mike Tyson for Jesus. See what I mean? <laughs> I really would. <laughs> Serious, guys. But anyways, uh, you got to finish. You got to finish the fight. You can't quit in the middle. And uh, 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 there's five orders to a good fight, and here's, here's what I was going to give you here. Five orders to a good fight, and this is uh, from Brother Lintz, got from his uh, commanding officer at the Battle of Quezon, and at the Tet Offensive over there in Vietnam. His commanding officer told him this, and you can apply these things spiritually. This is good stuff. Number one, when you're under fire and bullets are flying all around, get down and stay down. <laughs> when you're in the battle and things are pouring on, get down and get praying. Amen? Get down and stay down. Uh, is commanding officer this number two? When you're in the battle and under fire, stop talking to your buddies. Ain't that something? That's the first thing I want to do when it pours on. I want to talk to someone that loves me. <laughs> Besides the Lord, right? I'll talk, talk to my friends. But uh, don't talk to your friends. Why? Oh, well, you'll reveal uh, your position to the enemy. And not only that, but you'll reveal their position to the enemy too, and maybe they'll catch lead as well. You see that? Not to mention it'll distract you from returning fire like you should be. You see that? When you're in the middle of it, stop talking to your buddies. Uh, Number three, when you're under fire, dig in and fix bayonets and get ready to charge. Get ready and stay ready. Uh, Number four, No matter how many fall, always remember that help is coming soon. Haven't you seen him fall? 
And you see them stand up all weary and just take it right in the temple? They're out. They're gone. Haven't you seen them get up and testify how good God is and how wonderful God is and how great God is and this is just the best place in the world and thank God for this little old church and gone. Just forget. Don't forget. No matter how many fall, always remember that help is coming soon. Help is coming soon. I'm sure glad help is coming soon. Now here's the one. Here's number five. No matter what, don't get up. And don't give up until the captain sounds all clear. Don't get up and don't give up until the captain sounds all clear. Now, that was uh, five uh, orders given to uh, Brother Lentz there when he was in Quezon. He passed away in 2005. He was a great preacher, great soldier. But that, that man, that'll preach. <laughs> you preach a whole morning service on those. All right, verse uh, 8, 2 Timothy 4, verse 8, moving upward and onward. The Bible says, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto, unto all them also that love his appearing. And that, uh, that's exciting to know you can get a crown just for loving his appearing. So the question has to be then, how do you love his appearing, right? You're going to get a crown if you love his appearing. How are you going to get a crown for just, I love his appearing. How are you going to get a crown? I don't know how that works. <laughs> I mean, talk's cheap, amen? <laughs> I mean, how are you going to love his appearing? Well, go back to verse 7. He says, I fought a good fight. Now, if you fight a good fight, that tells me you love his appearing, right? Uh, are you finishing your course? See? Are you keeping the faith? Now, these things all work together with the fact that you, the belief that Jesus Christ is coming back. You really think the Lord's going to give everyone a crown just because they said, well, I'm just waiting on Jesus to come back. <laughs> now, you just can't wait for Jesus to come back. And if you ain't fighting a good fight, you're not finishing your course, you're not keeping the faith, you ain't going to get the crown. Uh, that's a bunch of baloney if you think you are. Get up there, well, you know, I just was really looking forward for you to come back. Yeah, but you weren't doing anything. You didn't love me. You didn't read my word. You didn't talk to me. You're just really looking to get out of what? Your own devilment. Now, look, I can't wait to get out of here. But if that's all I got, I ain't going to get a crown just for saying I can't wait to get out of here. I mean, I can't wait to get anywhere. I can't wait to go anywhere but around here. <laughs> See what I mean? You ever wonder why you want to go, go home? Are you truly homesick to see the Savior's face? The one who saved you by his grace? Are you truly homesick to see loved ones? Or you just want to get out of the fix you're in? I'm not accusing. I'm trying to get you to think this morning. If you love his appearing, you're going to fight a good fight. You're going to do everything you can to finish your course and not quit halfway through. And you're going to do everything you can to keep the faith, contend for the faith, love the faith, and hold up on the trials and tribulations of faith. Now watch this thing. Verse 7 says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith henceforth. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, should give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Verse 9, do thy, do, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Now here Paul, he's looking, he's looking for someone to help him. Uh, Paul's in jail, right? He's looking for someone to help him. Now watch this, verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me. And have loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, 
Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. And Demas forsook Paul because he loved the world. So Demas quit on Paul. You see it? Demas quit on Paul. And over in Colossians chapter 4 verse 14, he's still laboring with Paul. It's interesting as you read your Bible, I know you know this, some of you have been reading your Bible longer than I've been living, amen? But just because, uh, you know, your Bible is not all in chronological order. You've got to study that thing out. You've got to figure the dates out. And uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, Demas is still with Paul. But uh, in 2 Timothy 4.10, he's quit on Paul. And Demas, he got caught up in the spell of this world. Now, as a kid, uh, just a youngster going to church here, uh, preachers would preach a lot about the world. They would. They'd preach a lot about the spell of the world, the captivity of the world, and getting caught up in the world and going out to the world. And uh, Even so much so when they take prayer requests, you'd hear uh, parents, you'd hear grandmothers and say, my, my grandson is out in the world. And we haven't, we're not a better people anymore. We're just, uh, we're just careful how we say anything lest we should offend anybody listening. <laughs> but the world's real. And there's a spell the world is captivating. The world does everything it can to come into your eyes and into your ears and into your mouth. And you can be as separated as the day is long, but yet that world can be right inside of you 24-7 if you let it. And demons got caught up in the spell of this world, and this world is full of philosophies and humanism. You've got a major philosophy change that's going taken place over the last 20 and 30 years and I find it interesting in 2015 it took a Hamite president to get same-sex marriage legalized. It did because after all back in Genesis 9 that was one of his original issues right? Sex. So why should we be surprised you say you're racist or am I just telling you the truth and you don't like how it comes out. Uh, we've had uh, a handful of them come in here at one time before. Guess what? They all leave. Had to kick some of them out. Why? Sex. Inappropriate tech. You see what I mean? But in 2015, you had Barack Obama, and he, uh, that one course, that one case that slips my mind. I used to have pretty sharp acumen for those court cases, but not anymore. In 2015, a court case went through and it legalized same-sex marriage. What a bunch of baloney, man. You say, what'd they do? They just unrolled all the stones everyone put in front of the cave, and out came all the ghoulish monsters and all the sex perverts and everything else, and that belched out of the exhaust pipes of hell with it. And the world's full of philosophies and humanism, art, philosophy, uh, money, sex, education. That's all the gods of this world. That's what the world spends their time on. That's what the world spends their money on. And if you hang around the world, you'll want to spend your money on what the world promotes. So if there's always one more pressing need on Amazon or eBay or whatever your hang-up is, that's the world getting its way with you. Uh, you read over there, I think it's in uh, 1 Samuel, I think we've already passed it on Wednesday night, uh, but J uh, Jonathan defied the Philistines. Philistines a picture, of course, of the world. Philistines would be a picture of uh, the Antichrist because he's against the Jew. You ever just stop and say, Lord, today I'm going to defy this world. 
I mean, just, just wake up and say, Lord, put a burr in my saddle for this world. Now, don't be a jerk to everybody, but it, it'll make you angry. It'll make you mad. You'll get mad walking through Walmart and seeing how much booze they got in there. See the price of booze, and then you see the price of milk and how the milk's catching up with the booze. Ain't that something? All right, and when you fall in love with this world, the world will pick you up like you're a prized child. I want you to think about that just for about a half a second here. When you fall in this love with this world, the world will pick you up like they're your, their favorite little child. See, they can't stand you right now, but if you leave out of here and say them bunch of suckers over there at the corner of 21 South Chambers Road, I can't stand anymore. They did me wrong. They did me dirty. I didn't like them, and I didn't like what they said, and I didn't like how they treated me. That world will go, come here. Come here. It'll be okay. Come here. They'll love on you. I'm telling you, they'll dote on you. They'll tell you you're the best thing in the world since sliced bread and popcorn, and those old friends will come back. You see, when you forsake the local church and fall in love with this world, you know what's going to have to happen? You're going to have to drink your life away. You're going to have to smoke your life away. Uh, you're going to have to sex your life away. Why? You're going to have to nurse your sorrows. And look at verse 11. Uh, Paul says, only Luke is with me. That's his personal physician. He's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> I mean, I have a doctor all the time. Every place Paul's go, he takes a doctor with him. Verse 11, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable me for the ministry. And uh, you can go ahead and turn there. Go to Acts chapter 15. I'm not going to rehash everything, but I'll give some comment on this thing. The story about John Mark, you know, is in Acts chapter 15. And here in verse 11, uh, what you see is Paul is like a quitter. Amen? Now, the older generation understands that. Older generation do not like quitters. This younger generation, well, you know, preacher. <laughs> you know what? Show up and quit fooling around. Do your work. Amen? Well, preacher, you just got to understand. that You, you got to understand. I'm so sick and tired. of You got to understand their environment. <laughs> no, you need to stop quitting. Don't be a quitter. And uh, I'm, I think maybe that's why the Lord allowed me to work in the ice cream company I did. Uh, I worked there quite a while, and I did well with it. I'm not tooting my own horn. I mean, look at me. I mean, I can sell ice cream. I can. I mean, you could too if you like ice cream. <laughs> and I did well. And when I became sales leader, I, I had to hire and fire. You know what I mean? Hire and fire. And I thought, boy, this sure is living. I'm going to hire the greatest people in the world, and I'm going to fire all the losers, right? Get that visions of grandeur like you're going to take it somewhere. <laughs> and then I finally got a chance to get behind the wheel and stretch and flex and drive that sales bus, you know. And as soon as it, you know what I found out? I found out that the good ones always quit on you when you least expect it. <laughs> I mean, just about time you get your company moving in the right direction, one of your top stars. Well, you know, preacher... I'm, I'm going to go work for this company. What? Leave you high and dry. The best route you got, gone. You know what that means? You're running it, or you're going to put some loser in there that doesn't have half the tenacity the other guy did. Amen? 
And uh, I found out that the good ones always quit on you when you least expected, and you never could get staff strong enough to build a rock-solid team. So therefore, nine times out of ten, I couldn't fire the losers when I wanted to because if I fired all the shoddy performers, I wouldn't have anybody running routes. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you ever had been in a position where you had to hire and fire and all that, you're like, what? You're just filling holes with garbage is all you're doing, right? And uh, people would quit on me all the time. And uh, I'm not trying to reminisce, maybe just a little bit, but we, when I had my own sales route, uh, man, I gave it everything I had. I didn't say I was perfect, but I gave it everything. I'd give 70, 80 hours a week. Man, my family helped me. My wife would help me with my route books. The kids would come out and have dinner with me in the middle of some stupid parking lot somewhere, a little hibachi grill, and put hot dogs on it. Well, we just we made it work. Why? I wasn't a quitter. I didn't say I was the best employee. I, people irritated with me, and uh, you know, but uh, I made it work. And the results paid off. But when I got the promotion to run the company that I was excelling in, <laughs> I mean, as many as four sales companies at once, I found out this world is full of quitters. I was so naive, I thought everyone would want to do a good job. Everybody don't want to do a good job. <clears throat> and the more I hired, the worse it got. And after I thought I had the thing figured out, and I, okay, here's the makeup of a quitter, and I'm going to ask them this question. They just got better at answering the, uh, the, the interview questions is all they did. I mean, you have a generation of out there that are professional interviewers. They look the part, they act the part, they speak the part, and 30 days after you're hiring them, you're going, I'm looking for that person that I interviewed, because you ain't it. <laughs> and uh, early on in Paul's ministry, Paul doesn't have any grace for a quitter. Uh, but here at the end of Paul's ministry, I know you're in Acts 15, Paul says, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he has profitable me for the ministry. Now, this is what happened. John Mark quit on Paul. He didn't go to the work. And then Barnabas says, we need to take John Mark with us here. And Paul's like, no way, Jose. Uh, 15, look at verse, uh, what is it, 37? And Barnabas, verse 37, Barnabas determined to take uh, with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from the work from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. He left them. He quit. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. So you know what Paul did? He rebukes him. I'll look at Titus chapter 1. Uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 15. Paul has no grace for a quitter early on in his ministry. You've got to remember, he sat under the feet of Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees before the Lord converted him, before he got saved. <clears throat> He's got no, no grace for a quitter. I've known a few of those. Maybe have been kind of in that way many times. But look at Titus 1.15. Bible said, this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. You know why Christians in this generation aren't sound in the faith? There ain't much rebuking going on. Right? It's just like, we're going to make this whole service about you 
and how you can be so wonderful and you are the Lord's precious child today and it's all humanism. Me, me, oh, cuddle me, coddle me, hug me, kiss me, hug me. Oh. And Paul says, man, if they're wrong, rebuke them sharply. Why? Because you're mean? No, because that they may be sound in the faith. And old Paul, he rebukes John Mark sharply. He said, listen here, buddy, you're a quitter and you ain't going with us. I watched you work and you're no good. Not for the work. You've got some lessons to learn. Go home and read the book until you're ready. And that's exactly what he did. And back in Acts 15, the contention was so sharp with Uncle Barney. You see it? It's Uncle Barney. That's why the contention was so sharp, because it was family. Look at it. Uh, you have to run the references later, but John Mark is Barnabas' uh, uh, nephew. And uh, Barnabas says, come on, John boy, uh, Uncle Barney will take care of you. You know, Paul, he's just so mean. Uh, you know, Paul, he's always, uh, he's always pointing you out in the preaching, you know. I know, he just has no grace with anybody. You, you come on with me, Uncle Barney, you'll be all right. But you know what happened? John Mark went back home and thought about what Paul said. John Mark went home, and in time he got right after Paul's rebuke, and time passes, and John Mark, listen, sticks with the stuff. And you know he sticks with the stuff because now here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, okay, uh, John Mark, come on, you're prophet for the ministry once again. Look, you might give up on someone, but God don't give up on you. And you might mess up, right? You might mess up, you might throw up, and you might get beat up. But stick with it anyways. You might have to go in a spiritual timeout for a little bit. Amen. You might have to get take your coming up. You might have to get rebuked. Amen. You ever, want to ever, you ever stop and think about what made your relationship with your parents so great? The fact that someone had guts enough to just to chew you up like nobody's business and then hug you and love you afterwards? Oh, that means something to me. So Paul, he, uh, he doesn't give up totally on him, but he doesn't let him go there in Acts 15. And here he says, all right, we need some help. Come on, John. And you know what John Mark does? You ready? He writes the book of Mark. That's it. You ever read the book of Mark? The book of Mark has more ands than any other book in the Bible. <laughs> you say, why? I, I'm thinking that maybe he had some time. He's trying to redeem the time because he lost some time, and he's in a hurry, and God puts it in there. Isn't that good? Well, I think we'll stop right there. We'll read verse 12. The Bible says, In Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. We'll stop right there.